Bishop Lowry and Reverend Ramsdale and Reverend Britton up. And also would like Adam Bly, who is in charge of our, uh, our uh, capital campaign to come up in here, here and stand as well. So I want to share on behalf of your district superintendent and on behalf of Reverend Ramsdale just how delighted and pleased we are to be here. This is not my first time here by any stretch of the imagination. I've been here a number of occasions. And last time I preached, we had a different pastor here. So, I mean, you know, He's at this point. He's a little tall, yeah. I recruited him for my basketball team up in Fort Worth, and that kind of ended that. At any rate... Um, uh, Reverend Ramsdale from the Center for the Smith Center for Evangelism, and Missions, and Church Growth has a special announcement for you today. Uh, we're very excited to be here with you. We've been working this for for a while with David and some of your leaders, and we want to make an announcement in a moment. But I'm going to do it this way uh, first. Introduce my wife Rhonda is here. We're glad she comes with me, uh, and then our granddaughter Kenzie and husband uh, Jr. They're newlyweds. They're here visiting as well. They, they live eight minutes from here, and so. <laughs> They just, moved, they just moved out this way, and so we're glad they're here joining us here in worship today. One of the things that our center does is invest in life and mission of the church, making disciples, uh, doing the work of the kingdom of God, do it in all kinds of ways, resourcing and training and teaching and coaching. We also do it financially on occasion. We look around and see where can we make a difference with uh, financial gifts, uh, whether it be a brand new church start, which this was just a few years ago. A new faith community, which you have just begun not long ago. We helped with that a little bit, didn't we? So we're excited about that. Uh, whether it be existing churches like this, they're kind of all three. New faith community and a new church start and been around for a while. Uh, that can make a difference. And we celebrate the capital funding campaign you did, how successful that was. Applaud yourself for that. That was great. Well done. That was a great campaign uh, toward the debt this church has had for quite a while. So we celebrate your generosity and service, loving, giving, making a difference, doing pumpkin patches, you know, doing a, and making a commitment to a capital campaign. So we want to add to that. So I'm here to announce as an investment into your church and that debt service that you have today of $200,000 we're going to give toward the... Can fix your microphone. We're basically adding $200,000 to your capital campaign uh, that'll be given next week. So we celebrate that. And we're going to let your DS Brad say a few words. Yeah, after that, I have to follow that. <laughs> uh, he said, What am I giving them? Well, just, just y'all are great. And I, I just want to say this. When I, when I go to the churches in our district, I ask myself two questions. One, are they encouraging people to be followers of Christ? And two, would I want to be a part of this community? And the answer here to both is yes. And I want to affirm your pastor, David. What a wonderful job he does. Thank you, guys. Please be seated. As we come today uh, to worship and celebrate, 
I am reminded, huh, thank you. I'm reminded of a story uh, in a speech given um, uh, decades and decades and decades ago during the worst times of World War II when what's called by historians the Battle of Britain was raging over the skies of London. And every night was a night filled with the whistle of dropping bombs and the, and the following crump or boom and, and the fear that that spread throughout London. And Winston Churchill stood up on the Lord's Mayor Day, which memory serves right, was like November 10th or something like that. And he gave a famous speech in which he said, this is not the end. This is not even the beginning of the end. But we may perhaps now at last say that this is the end of the beginning. I want to suggest to you that in a very different setting, thank God bombs aren't dropping and we don't hear that stuff going on, but in a cultural setting where shootings are a daily part, a daily part of the fabric of life, and troops are still at war overseas. We long and pray for their safety to come home. Amen. And we pray for peace around our world. In a day and time when, when darkness pushes on us and we desperately need a lighthouse. I want to pray that this is a time that in fact is not the end. And not even the beginning of the end, but for this church, this capital campaign you have done, and the gift that our center, Smith Center for Evangelism and, and Missions and Church Growth has added to, that this is, we might well say, a juncture point, which is the end of the beginning of Rockbridge United Methodist Church. Let's listen to Holy Scripture and let the Lord teach us as only as only Scripture can as a word from God revealed and shared with us this day. If you've got a Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn uh, to the book of Acts to the very, very last two paragraphs that are a part of it. I don't know if that's on the screen or not. It is. Wonderful. So the translation I read is the Common English. If you've got another translation, that's fine. If you have it on your phone, pull your phone out, look it up. I have olive tree. When I go to churches, I've got a little over 300 churches I have responsibility for. And I go to them with my wife, uh, who's at her home church up in Fort Worth today. And, and I'll pull out my phone because I've got multiple translations. And I like to follow along in multiple translations. And she'll get upset with me. She'll kind of stick that elbow into me and, and say, you'll put that away. That poor pastor thinks you're so bored. You're, you, you know, you're reading your email while he or she is preaching. So it's all right. I won't be offended. The news was bad from yesterday. I saw the game too. Um, okay. Well, I guess it depends on your perspective, doesn't it? Right. So we are here to convert pagans. And so we have, uh, we have good purposes. All right. Turn with me to the end of the book of Acts. 28th chapter, I'm going to begin with verse 23. Now mind the setting, this is the closing 
of Paul's magnificent ministry. Well over half of the book of the Acts of the Apostles, what one scholar is called the gospel of the Holy Spirit, almost like a fifth gospel, is dedicated to the life and ministry and witness of Paul. And it closes this way. On the day scheduled for this purpose, many people came to the place where he was staying. From morning until evening, he explained and testified concerning God's kingdom and tried to convince them about Jesus through the appealing to the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others refused to believe. They disagreed with each other and were starting to leave when Paul made one more statement. He said, the Holy Spirit spoke correctly when he said to you through your ancestor Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say you will hear to be sure but never understand. You will certainly see but never recognize what you're seeing This people's senses have become calloused and they're becoming hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes so that they won't see with their eyes or hear with their ears or understand with their minds and change their heart and lives that I may heal them. Therefore, be certain of this. God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Paul lived in his own rented quarters for two full years, welcomed and welcomed everyone who came to see him unhindered and with complete confidence. He continued to preach God's kingdom and to teach about the Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, this is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Say with me the words, thanks be to God. Amen. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Great and gracious God, use the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds together. Let them be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I want to invite you today to come to just three M's. We're going to look at the mystery the message, and the method. You with me? We're going to start by asking the question that a day like today asks of us. Let's be honest. When we pick up our scripture, it speaks not just of Paul's day and, and the Roman capital city culture, but it speaks to our day. So when we read, this people's senses have become callous and they've become hard of hearing. They've shut their eyes. They won't see with their... They won't see with their eyes or hear with their ears or understand with their minds and change their hearts and that I may heal them. When he says those words, quoting actually the prophet Isaiah, he's not just speaking to Rome. He's speaking to us. That this is the reality. Uh, my wife, uh, when we first started dating, we just had our 43rd wedding anniversary. And, and we, we <laughs> thank you. It's a proof that the woman's a saint. Um, and, uh, 
And of course, we like a lot of couples, we dated for about 10 months before, 10, 12 months before we got married. And, uh, and I discovered very quickly in getting to know Jolene that she was a, loved reading mystery novels. In fact, she'd gone through all the Agatha Christie at that point and has read all kinds of things since then. And, and one of the things she's dragged me into, like a moderately decent spouse, is watching British mysteries on TV, public television. Am I, am I, can I get an amen from at least a handful of you? Okay. And one she likes that's come up recently is one called Death in Paradise. Okay, some of you have seen it? Yeah, hey, I recommend it. It's good. You can go Netflix and kind of run through the whole, the whole lineup of it. But, but it's on an island in the Caribbean, and, and it's uh, set in a scene where typically someone is killed and all of the people who possibly could have a motive to kill this person have an airtight alibi. And, and the, the murder mystery is solved by our detective and his crew noticing something a little spill of what turns out to be fake blood, uh, a, a, a feather dropped that nobody else noticed. And here's the question at the close of this passage. Now, I think it's a significant one. It's a mystery to be solved to understand what the Lord is teaching us here. And the question is, why at the end of this great ministry do we hear nothing about what happens to Paul? You don't hear, well, the great Paul preached in Rome for the next 20 years, and, and, when he, and when he died, they buried him in a wonderful grave with a great ceremony. You don't, you don't hear a, a, a celebratory or an oratory uh, given in his honor at the end. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. You remember sophomore English in high school, right? Okay, you with me? You don't hear any of that. And yet, amazingly enough, we know that the author of Acts, who by the way is Luke, it's Acts is the second of a two-volume work, the Gospel of Luke first and, and then uh, the book of Acts second, we know that Luke knew what happened to Paul. In fact, biblically, in the 20th chapter of Acts, we, we, we even give him not one but two notices that they know Paul was executed in Rome. It says, I shall not see you again. 20, 20th chapter, memory says 25th verse, something like that. And, and two early Christian historians record it. In fact, I, I did a little research, and so I, I'm not going to read much, but I, I want to give you, you know, I did some work, so I want to show you I did it. Um, Eusebius was a great early Christian historian. Uh, 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 arguably the greatest, and he writes in his... In his Church history, uh, he writes simply, Paul was beheaded in Rome itself, period. And then there's a, a little book entitled First Clement. It was written shortly after the book of Acts was written, only a few years later, by, by one of the first great early Christian leaders after the apostles had died out. And in First Clement, Clement himself, who ends up being martyred for the Christian faith, writes, quote, because of jealousy and strife, Paul showed the way to the prize of endurance. Seven times he was in bonds. 
He was driven away as an exile. He was, her was a herald, that means uh, an announcing witness, both in east and west. He won the noble glory of his faith. What's the noble glory of his faith? It's martyrdom for the early Christians. First Clement continues, he taught righteousness to all the world and when he reached the limit of the West, he gave his testimony before rulers and thus passed from the world and was taken up into the holy place. The greatest example of endurance. So why? Given that kind of testimony, why is it we do not hear about what happens to Paul? I want to suggest that the answer itself to the mystery lies in the message of the scriptures for us. Turn back again with me to that 28th chapter. Notice what Paul did on the day scheduled for this purpose. What does that tell you? Well, it tells you he planned on it. He let word out. They announced. They shared. They said, we're meeting here. This is when it's happening. Uh, many people came to the place where he was staying. Now, he, we know from other writings, earlier writings in this chapter, that he was in, under house arrest. They knew where he was staying from morning until evening. This wasn't any uh, one-hour worship light kind of service, you know. It was morning until evening. He, testi he explained and testified concerning God's kingdom and tried to convince them about Jesus. My friends, that's the message. That's what Paul will give his life to. That's the answer. He wants to say, look, we live in a world darkened by sin. Call it what you will. You do not need to be some kind of philosophical genius to get it. Not when we have shootings at Walmart and war across the sea. and conflagration and contention in our own homes and cities. Sin's real. And for far too long, we've almost pretended that it was something that just belonged to those other people. And so when Luke comes to the end, he doesn't tell us he doesn't tell us about the death of Paul because he wants us to focus on the message of salvation's answer to sin. And he wants to say in an uncompromising way, in a way that simply will broke no other answer, that the, that the answer to the mystery lies in the message concerning the kingdom of God we pray it every week. You prayed it just a few minutes ago. How did you say it? On earth as it is in heaven. And in the Lord Jesus. Now that's an interesting phrase because the phrase Lord only belonged to Caesar. Now the early Christians, we call it justification. That's how Paul often translates it. But it's a forensic term. It's a legal term that has this notion of loyalty or allegiance tied to it. So ultimately the Christian faith comes down to the fact that you decide that Jesus is going to be your, me your leader, your master, your ruler. Excuse the modern corporate language, your super CEO or whatever you want to call him. He's going to be that. That's what it means to say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. 
He wants to say, you put those two together, the kingdom of God, the advancement of God's will, God's way, God's love on earth. That's what conquers sin. And it happened through the Lord Jesus. And why do we talk about the Lord Jesus? Because on the cross, he conquered sin and death. That's the classic core of the Christian faith. God isn't up there and out there. God isn't watching us at a distance. In answer to our brokenness, God came to earth in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And He is Lord. He is ruler of our lives, both individually and collectively, just as He is ultimately and always the ruler of this church. So Mike stands up here and he says, Here's a check. We want to join you in your capital campaign. What would you do? About 500000 400000 400, And Mike, I don't know where he gets this money. I'm going to go to his office and, <laughs> and get lunch money next week. But he, he drops a $200,000 check on it because we want to invest in the advancement of the kingdom of God through this church, which we believe to be a mission post of the kingdom of God, a place where Christ rules over our preferences and desires. A place where the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross actually, actually, in truth, conquers sin and death. That's the message. And the focus then is on Christ. You know that hymn, it's a newer one. In Christ alone I'll take my stand. Yeah. I keep remembering an old story. It's, it's one preachers have tossed around for probably a hundred years before I was born, maybe longer. But it's the story of, uh, of uh, Michelangelo making a rough sketch of that famous painting, The Last Supper. And he takes it to a friend. And the friend looks at it and comments about, oh, the, 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 the flow of the robes on these people is just magnificent. And, and he says, oh, you've got, you've got the table laid out so perfectly. And the, the background setting is just vivid. The room comes alive. And when he keeps going on in that way, and when he finally finishes, Da Vinci looks at him and rips up his own priceless piece of art. His friend, wide-eyed, protests. And he says, but it's on him, and he points to Christ. It's on him I want your attention. We put it on him. And then we'll act rightly towards others. What are the greatest of commandments, Jesus said? Why, well, to love God. With your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. I mean, with all of who you are. And the second is like unto it, or in the Lucan version, it's actually combined as one, which is to love neighbor. So your love of God springs out of the Lordship of Christ. And that's the message. So firm is it, so unmistakable is it that in the 28th chapter, the very last verse of that whole book of Acts is one insisting on this message. Unhindered and with complete confidence. Now get that. He is facing death and he knows it. He's under house arrest, unhindered and with complete confidence. He continued to preach God's kingdom and teach about the Lord 
Jesus Christ. And that leads to the message. So hang on, I'm almost done. This is really short. I, I, just, I want you to see what Paul's done. He's taken his life. He's, he's poured it out. He's gone, we're pretty sure, to Spain and back to Rome to share the news of Christ conquering sin and death and of his lordship, uh, 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 of his rule in our life, his forgiveness, what we call grace from sin, and, and is setting us up for a new form of living, not only with him, but with each other. He's poured it out, and, and, and it closes with that verse. He continued preaching. I, I memorized it as a, as a college student in an older translation. It says, without let or hindrance, which means without stopping. And he just continues to give it out. And, and therein lies the method for the message, which answers the mystery. Can you imagine... Paul and Barnabas sitting in the coffee, in the Holiday Inn coffee shop in Antioch, right? <laughs> I mean, just kind of picture him there. And, and uh, Barnabas kind of sits back, and I'm a, co- I'm a coffee drinker, so excuse me, and sips his coffee. And, and, and Paul leans back in his chair and takes a big gulp. And, and then he looks, at, uh, he looks at Barnabas and says, you know what, Barnabas? And Barnabas says, no, Paul, tell me why. He says, you know, I think the church is big enough as it is. Can you imagine Paul and Barnabas saying that to each other? You cannot. Not at all is the right answer. They can't because they understand that this is news there to be, did you catch the word he used there, a herald of for all the world. Now, the the phrase herald is an old-fashioned phrase you don't hear much in language today. But I don't want you to miss the importance of that single word in the biblical text this morning. When I think of Harold, so, so I'm 69 and I date myself, I think of Errol Flynn, who would be the modern version. You know, I think of knights and trumpets and uh, that kind of stuff, right? But a Harold originally, originally in the ancient world meant somebody who brought incredible, liberating, freedom-expressing good news to people. That sin is defeated, and in Christ you can live again. So a herald in the ancient world was when your tribe would go to battle, and the men, excuse the chauvinism of that age, but the men would march off to war, to combat, and the women and older men and children would gather together with all their possessions, because they pulled them, and they would wait a few miles away, usually sort of hidden in a bit of a valley or something. They would wait hidden to find out whether it was victory or defeat. And if it was defeat, then they knew they needed to flee for their lives, that what they faced with was execution at worst and slavery at best. For the women, it usually meant rape on top of it. For the children, it usually meant a, a life of just utter terror. And they would wait for that news. And the general in the battle would stand there and fighting himself. He would direct his troops. And then he'd have a herald stationed right next to him so that when he found out what was going to happen, whether they were going to win or lose, when he can see the tide of battle going one way or the other, he would tell the herald to run as fast as he could to let the family waiting know. Waiting to know whether they could unpack and celebrate or whether they needed to run 
for their lives. And so the message, the message here is we can unpack and celebrate. And those who don't know him can too. Those who live in fear, which let's be honest, sometimes is us. Those who know the, the clawing, scarring marks of sin in our life, which let's be honest, that's sometimes us. The society or nation or state or city that lives with a brokenness, we can know, we can know the freedom from that fear. And it's in the essence of this that the message calls this church to understand that today is the end of the beginning and that you are blessed to advance the kingdom of God under the lordship of Christ. Amen? Amen. I think the kids are telling me it's time to be quiet. <laughs> Such a joy to be with you today. God bless you.